Hi there! Thanks for joining us on episode 9 of the Ozarin Podcast. This week, the guys are talking about the Game Awards and the PlayStation Experience events which took place over the last few days, and discussing all the news, announcements and new trailers which have been released since. As a reminder, there is some swearing in this podcast, so please be considerate of those around you who might be offended. Please enjoy! Hey, welcome to the Azarum Podcast. Hello. Hiya. Hi. Yeah, we're joined by a fourth guest this week, or fourth host. It's Tom. Hello. It's me. Uh, Some of you might remember Tom if you ever listened to Fug Video Games. It was on that episode. We had Tom on. on. Yeah, we did. Which is the last time I actually played a video game. It's uh, on the PS1. It's great. In 1999. Yeah, it's not true. He has played video games. I saw him do it last night. <laughs> the last this... video game we played was Wipeout 2097. <laughs> <laughs> and as usual, I'm joined by Dave and Liam. Hiya. Hello. Uh, so before we go much further, I'm going to go over last week's poorly remembered game quote. Just so you remember, here's last week's quote. Ding pot, ding pot by the bench. Who's the nicest looking winch? And of course, that was by Gruntilda Winky Bunyan from the Banjo-Kazooie games. And here's that quote in context. <laughs> So uh, I think we've got a winner on this one. Yeah. Um, long-term podcast listener. Uh, eight episodes, all of them, maybe. There's nine now. Nine. Um, Ian, my friend Ian. Congrats. Yeah. Well done. That's uh, That was a tough one, I think. Yeah. He, he, he got it correct. Well done. And we'll have another one for you at the end of this show. What does he win? Nothing. Fuck all. Oh, cool. An appreciation. <laughs> Kudos. So... It's been a quiet week. Yeah, nothing's happened, I don't think, at all. Like, nothing about video games whatsoever. Uh, um, pretty much the entire release schedule of 2017-2018 has been announced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and there's been a, a few awards been handed out so far. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I didn't really watch the VGAs. I didn't watch them. Actually, I didn't watch either of them. Either events, yeah. I didn't watch. I just caught up on them after the fact. Like, I didn't watch the VGAs. I did watch the... PSX like main panel like the big conference they had yep. but I didn't watch any of the VGAs other than the trailers that emanated from it, sure. it, it I think it was difficult to catch the VGAs because they aired at like 2am yeah. uh, in the UK yeah it's always the way like. but I, I did watch them the day after uh, and yeah they were pretty cool um, no real surprises came out of it although um, Inside I haven't heard of was it. that no. It's uh, well, the same guys that made Limbo. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I've heard of Limbo. Spiritual successor. That's uh, cool. Very similar atmosphere throughout. Do they do the silhouettes in this one as well? Not so much. I think uh, there's a little more detail yeah. in, in most of the stuff that, that appears in this game. But yeah, enough about that. Uh, what have you guys been playing this week? Well, we've been playing Final Fantasy Fifteen. Yeah. Me and Dev. Um, Came out last Tuesday. Yeah. Been very excited for this game yeah. I think so far it's lived up to a certain expectation in, uh, some, yeah. in some areas it's very much what I've wanted from it in other areas it remains to be seen I would say um, I'll be I'll be maybe a, possibly an outlier opinion and say the game at this point I'm not going to go into too many details because I will save it for our 
do you think we've already yes. yeah we're going to do a full review of the game in a couple of weeks time I'm going to say this game feels like it should probably should feel like but I also feel that there's a lot of missed opportunity right. in some aspects yeah. but other than that it is a pretty solid game so far so yeah I would say my major gripe so far is the driving okay because mm-hmm. I feel like that they've <clears throat> See, that's there's a weird the main pitch no, well, yeah, I know the pitch is it's like it's a road trip, yeah. but like that's fine. My 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 gripe is with the actual act of driving in the game. Yeah, you have two options: you can go auto or you can go manual. But when you're manual, it's basically just auto. You can't you can sort of drift off about and stuff. Oh yeah, the, the, so the car itself doesn't have a lot of manual yeah, is basically auto, but you hold R two. Yeah, and effectively. You can pull over whenever you want. I feel that's a bit Also, if it's auto, you can take control. Like, at any time. You can, to, you can, to some degree. You yeah. can, you can manip- manipulate you can, you the can, car. But if you, if you drift off into, like, the, you can drift off into the other lane, let's mm. say. That's about as much as you can do. You can... Um, and if you do that, and if you let go of the stick, it'll just bring you back in and follow the road again. But the reason why I'm saying this now is <clears> that kind of sums up my um, feeling of the game as a whole at some yeah. point. Yeah. Like... That kind of, you can, it's... And you, f- you always feel like, you always feel with a game that, like, there's potential for it to be a bit more. Yeah. And the game is, it's kind of, I don't know what's... I'm going to save a lot of this, because I have a lot of things to say about this game. Um, but I'm going to save it for a podcast in the future. But it feels like it's kind of pushing against the barrier that maybe doesn't need to be there. Sure. Uh, that's the that's that's the only way I can describe it. So I think from all of us, there's a lot of things that we do want to say, yeah. but yeah. we want to save it for a point when you my, know, we've got a spoiler cast, and then we're just. Yeah. And then also my difficulty at the moment is a lot of the things that I've that I feel about the game. I'm twenty hours in. I'm twenty five, and I'd like to complete it before I say for sure because I feel like a lot of it. You're like okay. I'm not really sure how I feel about yeah, this. Yeah, you feel like change yeah. as you you play yeah. through. Sure, yeah. I, I think uh, I'm gonna... I need to give the game a much bigger chance to sort of it's a game that definitely wants to take its time yeah you get that from it when you're playing it the game doesn't want to rush itself or do anything it's very sort of uh, and whether or not that comes into play later in the game that that is what I want to see one thing I would say though is like I, I agree with what Liam was saying is like it's, it is perhaps too early to say like this game is X or Y no it's Whereas, XV it's XV <laughs> um, it is definitely XV well um, but like at the moment, I, I would rather feel like I'm saying, like, this game's really good. But at the moment, I'm kind of like, this game, I don't really know what to say, hither or never. Mm-hmm. There's lots of good things, but there's also faults that I can't ignore. Sure. The biggest thing I'd say at this point is it's a massive step in the right direction. Yes, no, absolutely. That's correct. It is where Final Fantasy should be going. Okay, right. That's, 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 good. that's good to hear. That's encouraging, at least. Um, so, moving on. Uh, I know that you've also played Let It Die, Dave. I have played Let It Die. Which was released on It was Saturday. released yesterday, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that is a free-to-play game by Suda51 Grasshop, Grasshopper. Grasshopper Manufacturer. Manufacturer. Yeah. Um, which, have, which have released a lot of quirky titles in the past. Yeah, um, No More Heroes, Heroes. Um, Killer Is Dead, Killer7, which, which was under Capcom, but basically the same team. Shadows of the Damned. Shadows of the Damned, uh, yeah, that was through EA. Lollipop Chainsaw. All about Chainsaw as well. And, and like really quirky kind of quintessential Japanese J-pop titles. Lollipop Chainsaw was written by James Gunn. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy guy, which yeah. Which is oh, interesting. Yeah, um, yeah he's, um, he's friends with Suda51. Right. Which is interesting. I mean, I've, I've always 
in my experience, I've really enjoyed his games. Like they've always been really fun. They've got a very distinct feel to him. He's this will sound like a really tired comparison, but he is effectively kind of like a Japanese Tarantino if he'd made video games. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's a very apt comparison, a tired one, but it does work. It does work. Yeah. Um, so how are you finding it so far? It's um, it's a free to play Dark Souls with roguelike elements, and that's absolutely fine. I'm told it, it works fine. The gameplay is great. Like it's. You progress up a tower, which is called the Tower, tower of Barbs. Not the Tower of Babel, but effectively is. Yeah. Um, tower of Barbs. Um, and it's 30 floors high, and it's in Tokyo. And all the floors are train stations? Right. Um, and they all like, kind of feel like Japanese train stations. They're rocking at these, like there's lots of corridors and all Do that. Do they have jingles? They don't have jingles, I'm quite disappointed. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but like, it's that kind of like, even the toilets, like the main floor... There's toilets and you walk into them and you're like, this is a Japanese train station's toilets. It's so fucking weird. <laughs> loads of uh, businessmen who never wash their hands. That and lots of... Uh, lots of that's, was, that's a personal experience. It is not a, a reflection on the entirety of Japan. And um, lots of um, what you would call, or what we heard was referred to as squatty potties in the Japanese <laughs> women's toilets. Um, so I, I do have one question. Uh, I've been that? playing this through. I did the tutorial and I'm <clears> liking it so far. Uh, I'll post the trailer in the, the blog as well mm-hmm. but it's a free to play yes it is how is it monetized? Um, it's monetized by going between floors right and um, I'm not exactly sure how else but like there is definitely a monetary element and um, basically you, you earn money by killing enemies and um, other such means but mostly killing enemies um, I get a feeling that like much like most Japanese free to play titles like and most free to play titles in general first like maybe 10 to 20 levels you'll get it kind of easy and you'll get lots of money lots of resources blah blah to keep you hooked in and once you're hooked in there is then a certain percentage of people that will be irreversibly hooked in right and that's where the money comes from so that at this point the the actual in-game currency that you earn which is called kill coins right will become less and less and less it'll be diminishing returns on killing enemies um, the real money currency or RMT's real money transactions is called Hell Direct right. which is a it's literally in the game it's legitimately a credit card oh, yeah. from Hell <laughs> and you use this credit card who's presented to you by a lovely woman in a nice hat to get a, a special gold elevator I see that will take you between floors that any floor you select as far as I'm led to believe, I'm not using it because I'm not paying the money for it. Um, and you get to have some incidental dialogue with a lovely elevator attendant. It's so blatant. It's unbelievable. Is she the woman with the yes and no in the trailer, or is that different? That's the one that gives you the credit card. Right. Okay. The one in the the one in the actual elevator has like longer hair, and she bows to you. And uh-huh. It's very it's very like strictly Japanese. It's it's, it's got that kind of idol man. feel about it. It's, yeah. It's. Deliberate. It's very deliberate. Okay. And it's very pseudo fifty one. Everything about it, like they're very conscious of the monetizing aspect because like they basically reference it. They never say it's your real money. They say you're basically buying from the devil. I see. If you buy real money. It's is, great. Is, is that maybe a, a poke at DLC and uh, pay transactions in general? If it's not, I'll be very surprised. Right. Is um, I would feel wrong if they were having a poke at it, like being like making fun of it, while at the same time making money. Well, from it's it. it kind of Suda's like, that's Suda's thing, sense yeah. of humor, yeah. yeah. Like what, they, they they make fun of how like I mean they kind of make fun of like how 
No More Heroes is not that good a game. Yeah. It's a kind of a shit Well, game. there's a difference between being self-deprecating and being a hypocrite. Yes. Yeah, that's true. So One thing that's always struck me with his games are his character designs. Like, I think his, his uh, character design is incredible. Travis Touchdown's a... Uh, Travis Touchdown's great. It's, great. it's a yeah. great design. Um, Uncle Death in this game is very good. It's, uh, well, he Hispanic. calls everyone senpai. De- yeah, he's, he's Death if Death was Hispanic. Wears a, a big toggle coat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rides a skateboard and has a golf club that transforms into a scythe. Yeah. <laughs> calls you senpai. He is time. pretty incredible. So, I mean, this, this game looks incredibly fun and I, I look forward to getting stuck into it. It's, it's good fun. Um, the controls are a bit, like, floaty, but, like, because it's free to play, there's, there's certain forgivenesses that you can provide to the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's probably not the way it right way that. But, like... It gives people a chance to get used to it as well before they invest in it. Yeah, it's it's pretty solid. For a free play game, it's pretty solid. Cool. Okay, uh, so moving on. Uh, oh, no, actually, no, you've what have you been playing, Tom? Um, well, mostly at the moment I'm playing, I'm sort of switching between the Skyrim remake, uh, or remaster even, sorry, uh, which is, there's not a lot to say about that, it's Skyrim. <laughs> uh, is that on PS4? Or? I'm playing it on PC at the moment, because okay. uh, I already owned it on Steam, so I got it for free, which was great. Um, yeah, that's great fun. And then I'm also playing a lot of Civilization Five because I actually want to be playing Civilization Six, but I'm poor. Um, but I've heard really good things about it, so I'm quite excited for that. And yeah. Maybe after Christmas, I, quite, I might pick that up. There have been a few people uh, talking about it at work as well. Yeah. It, it's a. Uh... I hear they've fixed a lot of like multiplayer issues, which was a big thing because I tried to play online with Liam actually and a couple other people before, and we had so many server issues. That's supposed to be a lot better now. Um, or you'd, you'd hope. Uh, yeah, I hope so. It can't be much worse. That's cool. Um, and the AI is supposed to be more interesting now as well. And you guys uh, have pretty much spent this weekend playing yeah. games on the PS1? No, just no. sort of any. What yeah, did we, we play? We played uh, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. That was great fun. Yeah, that game was amazing for a PS2 game. Uh, we played um, WarioWare. Yeah. <laughs> Smooth Moves and Game & Wario. No, is it Game & Wario or Game & Watch? Wario yeah. Game & Watch or Game & Wario? Game & Wario, yeah. Game this is on the Wii? Yeah, on Wii the Wii U. U. And Wii U. Then Smooth Moves, which is a Wii game. We were playing yeah. the darts mini game for most of it, I think. Yeah, mostly darts. Um, because it turned out that Tom is a. Yeah, you're just a natural yeah. Wario darts <laughs> player. He has the, the darts mate, I didn't. He knows, he knows how to work the darts. My mum always said I'd be good at something one day. Turned out to I be. Think, <laughs> 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 yeah, a mini saying. game in a game nobody plays anymore. <laughs> Can't remember what else we played. I'm sure there was something else we played. Uh, we were going to play Onimusha 2. That was the original thing. Oh, we were going to spend the day playing Onimusha 2 with the Soul Sword. My Soul Sword doesn't work. Yeah, it turns out. Oh no! Is that a peripheral? Yeah, it's so it's basically it's a controller shaped like a samurai sword. What? Um, and all the buttons are on the handle. It's a very extremely basic motion control. It, yeah, it, it has like a you know like a ball bearing. So yeah, if you're yeah. holding it up, it hits. It's, it's two states basically. Got you. Um, and if you're holding it one way, uh, I don't know. It's like, was this for the PS2, PS3? Yeah, yeah PS2. Um, and it must be really basic then. I, 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 well, it's it's just a controller. Yeah. It's not a motion controller. No. It's like the chainsaw from Resident Evil 4. Yeah. Oh, God. It is just a controller, <laughs> um, and it's just it's a novelty controller. Uh-huh. It's shaped like the Soul Sword, which is an Onimusha 3 thing, is it? Is it? Yeah, the Onimusha 3. Um, and but the the bishop on the sword. That's what it's called. The thing that really is disappointing was I've been spending quite some time in the run up to this, 
uh, restoring the rubber on it because the rubber has been decomposing. And when rubber decomposes, it becomes sticky and like it's sort of like it's covered in like a sticky yeah. gel or whatever. Um, so the way I was restoring it was by getting a Brillo pad and first you rub talcum powder into it uh-huh. and just like massage the talcum powder <laughs> into it, then rub it with a Brillo pad uh, to Very get sensible. rid of it and then massage some more talcum powder into yeah. it, then rub it with a Brillo pad and keep doing that. And it just, it's time consuming. Yeah. Uh, and then we put some batteries in it. It didn't work. We bought some more batteries, put them in it. It, it didn't work. work. It's just dead. That's unfortunate. And then instead of being like, oh, well, we'll just play it anyway. We were just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so sort of nothing. <laughs> so we played darts instead. You never, you never <laughs> played gimmick controller about it anymore. Like, no. What was the one you thought? The, the Wu-Tang controller? There was a Wu-Tang controller. What? <laughs> yeah, it's Chambers. <laughs> the greatest thing about it is it's just a controller. Again, it's a novelty controller. It's not a motion controller. It's in the shape of the Wu-Tang Clan logo. Are you, are you messing with me? No, it's no, a legit that's, that's, that's It thing. came with Wu-Tang Taste the Pain. Was it Taste the Pain? Taste the Pain, yeah. Which is a PlayStation 1 game. It's basically a, a Streets of Rage style yeah. game where you play as members of the Wu-Tang Clan. Makes sense. And, and it's, it's a fantastically shit game. Like, it is not a good game. And I remember, I think I read that... Um, is that the RZA was r- really into it at some point, maybe. Yeah, like, he, he, he like, used games and stuff. The yeah, but the, another thing is really into is like marketing the Wu-Tang Clan, yeah. which is um, something I guess you don't usually associate with it, but like he was big into marketing it, so this is just another thing where they're marketing the Wu-Tang Clan, so it had all these things, and it had the Wu-Tang Clan controller, which I will buy one day. It's <laughs> really cool. It one looks day, nice. Yeah, I got it for like 40 quid off of eBay. Bit of history about Wu-Tang Taste of Pain. Do you remember a game for the PS1 that was um, marketed for a while as being excessive and called Thrill Kill? I do remember it. I remember Thrill- it was uh, supposed to be banned at one point. It was banned at right. one point, and then it was development discontinued. Wu-Tang Pace to Pain is was it repurposed? a repurposed version of Thrill Kill. Oh. It is not a good game. It's not. It doesn't play... Like, I, I only recently played it, so I played it like this year. Yeah. So whether or not it was fine when it came out, it feels really clunky, if and it's it's that kind of sort of like, it's, it's just not cool. It's a bit like time has not yeah. been kind. <laughs> As well, just played Death Jam Vendetta, which is a great game. I tell you what else we played this weekend is we played the Metal Gear drinking game. We did. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what, what what are the rules for this? So there's very specific requirements. It has to be the NES version of Metal Gear, which we know is not a faithful port of the game it's by all accounts shit right yeah that's kind of that's the point this plays (laughs) into the game so the rules are the way Metal Gear works is it doesn't scroll you know when you get to the edge of the screen it loads another screen so it's got boards basically I think people call them sometimes Um, so in each screen it's a stealth game Metal Gear if you don't know at home Um, tactical espionage action so but the thing about Metal Gear is it wasn't a refined stealth game. This is like very. It's like maybe the first instance yeah. of stealth in a game. So because well, the stealth was accidental, it was. I'm not sure. if... Maybe it was. I think it was a, a case of like something yeah. to do with how the enemy characters would approach you or see you, and yeah. therefore the the whole. Well, the the when you when you get seen by an enemy, they are alerted. So yeah, music yeah. changes. And so, anyhow, sorry. But yeah, so the rules are this. In each board, there are certain things that you can do that... It's, it's a spectator drinking game, so it's not just a person playing. It's not... It's, everyone can drink in this game. So, in each board, there are certain things that can happen which will allocate drinks to people in the room. So, you're either a spectator or a player. 
if you're playing, your you your aim is to get through the boards without being seen. Just play Metal Gear, right? If you clear a board without being spotted at all, that's two drinks to the spectators. If you get spotted but you clear the board, that's one drink. No, if you clear the board but you kill somebody, right? So you don't get spotted but you had to kill them, like take them out before you could progress. That's one drink to the spectators. So two drinks is if you don't kill anyone. You're uh, it's like total stealth. Right? If you get spotted, that's one drink to you, the player. If you get hit, that's another drink to you, the player. Um, if Big Boss calls you and doesn't say anything, that's very <laughs> important. If he calls you, that's not a drink. And, and he says something, right? If he calls you but doesn't say anything, that's a drink. Because he will call you and he will not say anything. <laughs> there are instances where I believe just, the just reason mouth is... Breathing. It, no, what happens is he calls you and all you hear is... <laughs> it's like a siren that's going off, right? And the reason I believe he calls you but doesn't say anything is when they ported the game from the Japanese game to Western audiences, they just didn't bother to translate those dialogue bits. <laughs> so he calls you, the, the cue is still there, but the text isn't because they haven't translated it. Well, um, so if that's a drink. This uh, sounds deadly so far. It, yeah, it is. Absolutely. Right, me and uh, our friend Paul, we came up with this game and we came up with the rules before we played it and we didn't realise just how frequent drinks would occur. Well, you, you switch boards quite frequently yeah. in the gear. Um, and so if he calls you, yeah, if there's uh, bad English, that's a drink. Ah. So if uh, one instance is one of the guards, when they fall asleep, they say, I'm getting sleepy. And then they fall asleep. But when they wake up, they say, I feel asleep. What they mean is I fell asleep. It's like, oh, I fell asleep. That's a drink if it's bad English. Um, and this is where it gets really deadly. If you get in a van and the van starts to move, you drink. So they start to stack up. So you get into a van. Yeah. And what happens when you get into the van and it starts to move, Snake says, oh, the truck have started to move. <laughs> so that's two drinks right there. But the thing is, if you um, mess up the screen before that, right? So you drink at the end of bo uh, boards. So if you got, usually you get spotted when you come out of a van because, I don't know, it always seems to happen. If you yeah. exit a van and there's an enemy, they spot you. So um, you get in the van, the truck have started to move, that's a drink. The, the truck is moving, that's a drink. You get out, you get spotted, that's a drink and probably you're going to get hit. That's four drinks. <laughs> um, if you die, that's a drink. And here's the most important rule. When you encounter the endless field of scorpions, you must waterfall <laughs> until you die or leave the field of scorpions. <laughs> But the thing is, there's if you've played The Legend of Zelda, the first one, there's a forest where you need to know the exact path to get through it. Yeah. Otherwise, it just repeats and sends you in all different directions. I got it. Yeah, great. This is what the, the endless field of scorpions is. You need to know the pattern to get through it. Oh my God. Otherwise, you never leave. And, and we don't know the pattern, right? And also, you're wrecked by the time you get the endless <laughs> yeah. field of scorpions because it's, it's not early in the game. <laughs> so you're there, you're wrecked, and you're having to waterfall as well as trying to escape this endless field of scorpions. So... <laughs> What happens is you just keep walking around until you die, but you're waterfalling for quite a while. The endless field of scorpions is endless. <laughs> um, so that's, that's a fantastic game. Uh, we should post the rules in the in the, the show notes. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, if people want to try it, but I would say don't do it with anything too strong. If, yeah. if you want you, to live. Yeah. D Please no, remember, no. we are Scottish. This is... <laughs> Something that we're good at. Know your limits is what I would say because you'll hit them pretty soon. <laughs> it, it can sneak up on you. It's it's a drinking game um, which shows no mercy. So, yeah. 
Speaking of Kojima. Yeah. He, <laughs> he finally got an award from the VGAs. He finally got his award. Are, they're not called the VGAs anymore, are they? Are they the, just, the video they're called game the Game Awards. Awards. The Game Awards. All the Game Awards, yeah. They're yeah. Game Awards. They're yeah. GAs now. <laughs> the, the gays. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, so that's, that's been a long time coming. Last year, Kojima was uh, given an award, let's say, or he was going to be given an award for his work on Metal Gear Solid Five, yes, um, and at the time Konami forbade him. Forbade him. They they got they, the for, they forbidden from they'd forbidden him from showing up at the VGAs and said you cannot accept this award. You're not allowed to um, accept any awards on behalf of Konami for this game. You're basically not allowed to associate with this game. You're done with this game. You know that's basically the the gist of it. It's not what they said, but that's. In practice, that's what they told him that he had to do. Yeah. So yeah. he was not allowed to show up and accept this award, uh, which is a pretty big thing. You know, he'd been working for ages on this game, which is one of the biggest games. You know, it's supposed to be one of the biggest games of his career. And then spent um, the last six months of it working in isolation. Yeah. So they tried to give him this award, and they they couldn't get it to him for whatever reason. No. And um, I mean, Jeff Keighley announced at this this event yeah. that he uh, offered to mail it to him. He offered to deliver it in, deliver it in person yeah. when he was in Las Vegas. And then Kojima wouldn't accept it. He wouldn't accept it. Uh, whether or not that's because he's still not allowed to accept that specific award. Or whether he said it's because he didn't want to. Yeah. There's, there's maybe a bit of both. Like, yeah, he probably wants to move on. It's done. A, that's part of his life that is now yeah. f- for... You know, better or for worse, it's behind them. If you've been through all that with yeah. a company, and then every time you look at your shelf and you see a reminder, yeah. it's it's going to weigh heavy on you. Yeah. Well done on suffering. Um, so <laughs> they've awarded them in, instead. I wouldn't say instead of, because I think he's as deserving of this award as any Absolutely, award. Yeah. Um, so it's not that they're giving it to him because they feel bad that he didn't get the other award, but he's getting the Industry Icon Award. And if anybody's an Industry Icon, it would be Hideo Kojima. Like, he's got an amazing... Um, presence in the in the games industry. He does. If you the way, like the way you can tell is the way his peers talk about him. Yeah, absolutely. And they all talk about him with such like reverence. I think for the most part, all quite outstanding is the fact that people outside of video games respect yeah. him as a creator. Yeah, um, that's the thing. It's kind of a yeah. big deal. I and think Del Toro. Yeah, and yeah people. Big uh, turning point. Big turning point for a lot of people. I think was Metal Gear Solid Two, mm. because like the amount of stuff that's in that game that's still applicable to like. So many different aspects of like, not even just like, games, but everything. Yeah, like, like um, it's incredible. It's that highly political. Huge. Yeah, it's very, very yeah. intensely it's political. Talk about like censorship and not even just like normal, like, social political and all that kind of thing as well. It's yeah. incredible. People think a lot of it's a bit like they think he's just rambling and it's just nonsense in Metal Gear Solid. But yeah. if you actually listen to what he's saying in, in Metal Gear Solid Two, it's almost. Um, ahead, you know. I think he's a guy, he's a guy with a lot to say. Yeah. Even yeah, even yeah. in five, and like, I mean, I'm not going to try and give too much away about five because like, there's actually a whole sort of story with Tom who was <laughs> given away the ending by five by accident by one of our friends. Um, but like, a lot of the stuff in five, like if it had been finished and complete, or like maybe even approached in a different direction, like I think the, the difficulty is it's not fully realized. It's not fully yeah. realized, and like, but the core idea of like how Venom Snake, yeah, and that's all we'll really say relates to the player it's a really cool concept and I think it could have been pulled off amazingly had it been given the proper attention and been fully realised yeah it's a really cool idea but uh, not only did he get an award he, he gave us something as well didn't he he did yeah. we got a new trailer for Death Stranding which oh, looks <laughs> fantastic Like that was a really good trailer featuring Guillermo um, del Toro who has been completely face captured and yeah. Yeah, put into the game happy to see him just 
in some way involved in the game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even if it's just so slightly. I think so, yeah. Nice to know that they're still, you know, and Norman, Norman Reedus, of course, is in that game too. Yeah, so it yeah. feels like a, a bit of a reunion. Norman Reedus and his funky fetus. No. Was it Mads uh, Gelmo? Uh, uh, it's Gelmo and Mads and Funky Dads. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, of course, Mads Mikkelsen is, of course, in it as well. Mads Mikkelsen, the yeah. The worst kept crazy secret eyes. in video games. Uh, we've known this since, like, July. <laughs> Have you heard about the way it got leaked, basically? What's this? So um, That Mads was involved? Yeah. Basically, people worked out, like... First off, Kojima wasn't subtle about it. He's been retweeting Mads, like, non-stop for a couple of months. Yeah. Like, and, and Hannibal stuff and everything. And, uh-huh. and at one point, I think he even uh, tweeted a picture of Netflix, and he was like, oh, The Walking Dead with Norman Reedus or Hannibal with my buddy Mads, and it's like, okay, Kojima. But yeah, yeah. the the big Gordon thing Hannibal was, was um, a while back, Kojima tweeted an image of somebody from behind doing mocap, and it's like, oh, just doing some mocap for Death Stranding, and it's like, oh, I wonder who this is, you know, like saying... You're in an orange jacket. Yeah, so he's wearing an outfit, a very specific outfit, orange sleeveless jacket with grey sleeves and everything, and then somebody posted on V, and I know what you're saying, like V on 4chan, yep. right? They were like, I think, or was he tweeted it? I think I read it on Fred and V. He tweeted and said, I've just ran into Mads Mikkelsen in this location, which happened to be a location that is near... Nearby the motion capture yeah. studio. Uh, so he's like, I just ran into Mads Mikkelsen, and he's got a photo with him, and Mads is wearing that the exact same, same outfit. Yeah. And um, it doesn't help that the guy in the mocap definitely looked like Mads Mikkelsen from behind, you know, yeah. with the grey. So people have known that Mads Mikkelsen's in it for a while, yeah. but it's very exciting to see him actually in the trailer because he, he looks so fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, so the guy cool. had asked him, like, um, what, are, what are you working on? Oh, yeah, he said, a like, Japanese game. Yeah, he said he couldn't really, you know, it was like... Best description of Death yeah. Stranding. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a Hideo Kojima game. He probably, yeah. he probably wanted to tell him, but didn't actually yeah. know what yeah. he was doing. <laughs> I can't really like, look, uh, you have to, have all these cables coming at you, there's some skeletons. And, uh, um, people keep crying every time anyone mentions bipedal robots. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk about anything about snakes. Um, it kind of feels like, um, I think uh, we were talking about this earlier as well, but it kind of feels like he's just, like they've, Gone to Hideo Kojima, you can do anything you like, and he went, Really? And then he's just like, What about this? <laughs> mental. He's, he's pushing me. Mads Mikkelsen Can I put all my favourite actors in it? Yeah, sure. Can I put weird, funky babies in it? Yeah, definitely. Can I put my best friend in it? Oh, okay, okay. I would yeah. like Guillemot del Taco to be the <laughs> oh, well, game also. Is he going to help you direct? No, he's in it. Oh, he's <laughs> going to put him in it. But he's not really in it either, because he's not. I don't. Like, no, he's, yeah, he's, he's not, not being used for the, the voice and the motion capture yeah, for the rest of the game. Yeah, I think it's, it's just, just for that. It's just appearance. appearance. Yeah. It's basically the, a cameo. Yeah. But I like, I, the, the, he kind of said in the panel, Kojima basically said, I, I don't want to, I can't take him away from his work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which I quite like. I quite like that. Like, no, his work I is think maybe important. he's also a bit worried that it'll fall through again and, uh, and, he, and he, he keeps, you know. I think he's maybe a bit worried. Guillermo del Toro is going to get him in trouble on Twitter as well. Uh, yeah, because um, recently <laughs> yeah, del Toro was had some very strong words. Yeah, I think um, I think it's the the most blatant criticism of Konami so far, uh, besides Norman Reedus retweeting a photo of Kojima drinking a, a mug that had been photoshopped to say Konami Konami's tears. tears. On it. Yeah, because <laughs> um, people have have been critical of Konami, but they've been a bit more veiled. Yeah. maybe yeah, or constructive sort of, yeah sort of not just um, yeah because it fuck Konami that's basically what he said <laughs> and then, then uh, the follow up tweet was um, cancelling uh, SH 
Silent, Silent Hill. Hill after PT um, is has to be the most moronic thing I've ever seen. And he's right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> like um, I don't. I have a feeling though that um, now what we all think Silent Hill would have been is never going to be as good. Like it was never going to be that good. Yeah. The fact that it got cancelled and that it was so promising has like elevated it to this like it's, yeah. like, it's mythical now. It's God, oh yeah, that's yeah, yeah. like um, which is kind of fun in its own way, but also completely. I mean, tragic w- watching you play PT as well last week after the podcast, it was terrifying though. It was, it's such a terrifying game, like, yeah. and it's 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 innovative and creative in the way it uses three D space and it totally disorientates. Like yeah, the fact the fact about PT that I like is it's not conventional horror. Like a lot of this stuff is like suggestive yeah. and like. Hinted it, yeah. Like all the stuff about like the fetus in the sink, and you hear about abortions and that. That's really deeply unsettling. And then there's the the Japanese are very good at psychological horror. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you take a look at their like famous films like Ring and uh, is it Dark Water? Yeah. All all those kind of films. It's about messing with your head. Um, And like uh, you just have to read any Junji Ito as well to know Mm. where he would what he would bring to that game. I'd, I'd heard that apparently Del Toro had asked if. Ito is involved in Death Stranding and Kojima wouldn't say. Oh uh, my god, that'd be incredible. Um, it would be like the, the thing, I don't want to get my hopes up. Yeah. I don't like, want to be like, uh, oh, the, the. I don't think he will be. If, if not now, they will probably work on something in the you'd, future. You'd hope so because that's a collaboration. That's that, a dream team Kojima, yeah. Del Toro, and Ito. This, I this, is, if... this is the equivalent of like. Uh, a, a famous band separating and then the talent moving into their own band and getting other talent from other yeah. incredible a bands. Super group, yeah. It's a super group. This is that doesn't always work though. Like, no, no. <laughs> but the thing is, I think the, I think Cheers, the, Tom. I think the <laughs> difference is though. I think the difference is like with that kind of thing. Right. Music, music has a, a tendency to create or maybe to bring people in who have like massive egos. Yeah. Like uh, Del Toro isn't egotistical. No. no. Kojima isn't egotistical. Well. Maybe, oh. <laughs> um, and Junji Ito, I don't really know, but I assume he, I don't he's think not is. that egotistical. He's a but if you imagine like the the Beatles or something working with you know these big names, they're all yeah. egotistical, you know. And, and who was it that made them um, Johnny Cash that made the Highwaymen with? Who was that? Was it Phil Collins and all that kind of thing? He worked uh, with that kind of remember. But like they're all like really big musicians, so obviously there's going to be a clash of egos and like that compromises the art of their putting and all that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, so. because they're in the limelight as well, as opposed to directors and creators who are presenting something. It's yeah, like they're they, never... they can step back and leave people yeah. to interpret and deal with it themselves. There's no what is it? There's no cult of personality or anything. Like, is that the term? Or <laughs> you kind of also have to be careful of like a mix of really strong leading creative voices that. I mean, you don't know necessarily how that's going to mix. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing I think the the important thing that seemed to be working with PT was Guillermo del Toro and Junji Ito work. They draw from the same sort of yeah thing, and Kojima and del Toro they all draw from the same influences, and they all have that same sort of idea of what they would want to be doing. So it seemed like they would work well together because they're on the same page. Yeah, that's they're, true. They're that's not true. pulling in different directions. Um, and then even then, like video games and movies, I'm, like music is a collaborative <coughs> thing. Like people yeah. collaborate in music, but there's also a lot more of a tendency to have. Well, maybe not a lot more. Video games and movies are very collaborative efforts, mm. like more so than music, which could be written by just one person. But also. Video game, well, maybe not so much video games, but with movies, you tend to have one person at the helm 
But the director, which you yeah. get in music in the same way. I think this is a a very deep discussion. <laughs> Maybe yeah, I would because yeah, it could be you could there are multiple approaches yeah. to it. I would wonder now though if Kojima will ever go the other way instead of bringing in Del Toro or some actors to work on his thing. Is he going to go over and pitch in on one of Del Toro's projects? Because it's never like been a big secret that Kojima really wants to be mm. working in movies. movies. Yeah. Yeah. He has he has played like cameos in some Japanese films. Yeah. Like it was it Versus, I think he was in. Um, like a couple of Japanese films he's played cameos in but like he's he's very interested in films and TV and all that kind of thing and considering like how stuff like Amazon and Netflix work these days it's not that the realm's a possibility because especially Netflix is trying to break into Japan big time yeah. because like there's a whole culture in Japan but like everything's very physical they don't really like digital stuff that's something that, I noticed when we were over there is like the high street's not suffering at all. Like, no, over here, not. the high street is like dying a slow death. You know, with like HMV going yeah. uh, and stuff like that. But, but over like, there, everyone just seems to go to the shops. Like the shops seem to be doing the, the, the digital. The digital, like the digital age, is definitely there. But like digital purchases are not huge in Japan. If they wanted to, like, kind of try and break headway, they would could be like, let's get Kojima in, like pair him up with some talents that know what they're doing. Give him creative control, but like get people to like funnel his ideas into something that works on yeah. television. They really need to try harder. To that would be an idea, I think. Yeah. So, so like it's not that the realms, but I'm not saying that's going to happen. But it's definitely something that's possible. Yeah, definitely. And he'd be well up for it, I'm sure. So. So they spoke a little about the engine they're using as well yeah. for Death Stranding, which is it's interesting um, the way they've gone about it. But it, it kind of comes from a, a necessity, doesn't it? That they don't have time to sit. And they, spend years developing another <coughs> Fox engine. Yeah. No. They had to step outside of their sort of um, talent pool, basically, and, and find something that they could basically repurpose, isn't it, what they've done? They've, they've repurposed it. It's, um, so it's uh, the Decima engine is based on uh, a game engine that was developed by Guerrilla Games, uh, and it's being used in the upcoming uh, Horizon Zero Dawn yes. title on PS4. Um, from what we were shown uh, by Herman Hulst from Guerrilla... It looks like a really capable engine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it looks, oh, absolutely. Looks really nice. And Kojima has taken this. He was presented with the source code for this engine, and he is developing it for uh, his own title, yeah. Death Stranding, and presumably future titles as well if it goes well. Yeah, it um, looks like um, they're providing a lot of, because um, from the interview, it seemed like Kojima was coming at it saying, bringing what they learned on the Fox engine to them because they were saying how they've still got that the stuff about the lightning because that was a big thing in the Fox engine was about the lightning it was um, and it, he was saying that they've basically done what they did with the Fox engine and they're giving that information to this studio or yeah. whatever um, it's really interesting also just quite happy to find out why they were going around the world visiting people because they never really they were like well, we're doing this but they never really said what they were doing it for yeah, and it's just interesting that this was the result of that yeah, it feels they seem to have had quite good luck in the Netherlands it yeah it feels very much like the whole thing with Death Stranding is like Sony have brought Kojima in and they're like we need to get something out for him we need to let him have his creative output like as quickly and as efficiently as possible we're going to get everybody that we have any association with and yeah. get them all together Mark Cherney's the executive technical producer in the game I think uh-huh. or he's, yeah. he's got some major involvement in there and Kojima is friends with him and he's really high up in Sony yeah. um, he works with Sony Japan directly and all that kind of yep. thing Um 
It's obviously Andrew Howe saw that kind of thing. It's it's a really cohesive effort to get something out. And there's no way this is going to hurt Guerrilla Games. No. Oh, absolutely not. No. <laughs> like the exposure they'll get from presenting the engine to Kojima Productions yeah. is is going to be. I'm fantastic. sure there and are I, like I other imagine Sony. As well. well, yeah, Sony must be like working with them yeah. in in order to get this. Yeah. The most impressive thing about this is, um, well, Sony are basically facilitating the game and mm-hmm. Kojima, but. Uh, Kojima Productions is not a first party developer or anything they're not yeah. owned by Sony <coughs> no. so um, they're doing so much and obviously recently Sony have been doing a lot to try and foster and to um, develop things that are around PlayStation because that is keeping PlayStation alive. You know, we yeah. need to make sure that these games are coming out and people want to buy our consoles. There's, there's been a lot of focus on that in the last maybe yeah. year or two. But yeah. um, even though they're doing that, it still feels impressive that K- Kojima can come out and, and <coughs> have this... People want to do all this stuff for him. He's such a big yeah. Because name I think now that he's industry. not working under uh, Konami, Konami, he has much yeah. greater potential. Yeah. Like, it... Under Konami, I mean, he's, he's not even working under Metal Gear Solid. Like no. I mean, it was, so uh, there was there were two constraints on him. Anything yeah. that he did for Metal Gear had to work for Metal Gear. Yeah. And the stuff that he did under Konami had to work for their share, shareholders. Yeah. So now he's. I mean, he could do anything really. I mean, this this could be a complete flop because he does have this completely unconstrained approach to it. The thing what? is, was I think the the big failure of Metal Gear Solid Five was that he was restrained. Hmm. Um, it felt it felt like. He was trying to not make a Metal Gear game. Yeah, he was getting too big for Metal Gear, definitely. Yeah. His ideas were too big yeah. for it. But he's um, kind of been trying to not make Metal Gear games... For since, a long time. But, like, since probably three. Because well, yeah. he kind of reconciled it after four. Because yeah. he did four and he really didn't want to be doing four. He and did it shows not. in the game. Yeah, but yeah. I think that because of that conflict within the development of that game, it made a much better game... Than it would have been. I really like. Four. Yeah, people. Four's, are, four's a good game. It's a good, and and, and that, the story is cohesive yeah. as well. Like mm. it, it, it actually sums up the Metal Gear Solid yeah. series really well. Um, but after that, he kind of reconciled with Metal Gear because I think he really got into. That's after four is a shift of focus within the sort of timeline, and he started to focus on yeah. Big Boss a bit more again. And in Peace uh, Walker, in Peace Walker, and Peace Walker is an amazing game. game. Um, and I think uh, it shows that there was a he, he found another. He, fe- he refound his love for that series again yeah. with uh, Peace Walker, and then um, with Five, I just it's it's hard to know exactly what happened. Yeah, that's the most fascinating. It's it's very difficult to pinpoint yeah. at which point things start to to go wrong. But definitely, Keely sort of shed some light on it. You know, saying how he was because there was rumours of how people were treated within yeah, Canada yeah, the, the, uh, and being isolated for six was it six months he said that was for six Kima, months yeah. six was months like not allowed to work with his team yeah and that would and there were people definitely... within the company that were taken off projects that were yeah. that were heavily involved as well and sent to like completely menial tasks. yeah there was, there was one guy that was stuff. developing and it was made a clean up yeah. yeah which is it's, it's disgusting really so you but... can see that you can see that having a big effect on the final product that was Metal Gear Solid Five. Yeah. So um, they were, they were just looking for people who were going to yeah. do what they told them to push out what they wanted, yeah. and they were going to do that by any means. But that's you know on their head be it. They released a, a game that was half complete, and 
it's not really the kind of thing that people can look back to fondly, I think. No, I, I have some emotions to work through with Metal Gear Solid Five. Yeah. I think I'm still coming to terms with it. Like, I've finally been able to say that that's not a good game. Yeah. And I never was able to say that, I don't think. I was it's, never able to say, this is not a good game. Um, it's a quarter of a good game. It's, there's Ground Zeroes is... Amazing. It's fantastic. That is what... That, that, that for me, I can go back and play Ground Zeroes and be like, this, yeah. is, this is complete... This is uh, this is what Metal Gear Five should have been, yeah. and there's there's none of the crap in there. It's yeah. just like it's a this, very refined. That's the thing is, yeah. it's a refined experience. And yet at the time, everyone complained that oh, this is a ridiculous amount of <coughs> pay for it. And now it's like I would quite happily go out and buy that yeah. I've rather still, than play Five, like with that yeah. knowledge. To this day, and probably for the rest of my life, many more hours have been spent in Ground Zeroes than I've ever been spent on Metal Gear Solid yeah. Five. For me personally, well, it's not time wasted. <laughs> no, it's, it's I've I mean we've always spoke very highly of Ground Zero. Ground Zero is a very good game. Uh, it's kind of embarrassing going back and listening to some of our podcasts where we're talking about how certain we are that Metal Gear Solid Five was gonna be one yeah. of the greatest games. <laughs> but this is it, like it's it's what you hope for. You know, yeah. you never know until something. And happens. And you can go back and when you're playing Ground Zero, you can see those hopes that you have. Yeah. For the finalized game, even going back and watching the trailers for five, yeah, they were amazing trailers. E three twenty thirteen trailer, which yeah. is like one of probably one of the best video game trailers that's ever been made. Yeah. I remember listening to Sin- Sins of the Father. Sins of the Father. How that was used in the final game, I've no is this idea. The Red Band was... trailer. Yeah, the Red Band trailer. Yeah, Sins yeah. of the Father. That, that's um, played. That's the one that's played when they're sitting in the back of the the the, the four by. Like, yeah, the four, yeah. Four, four and then really no one packed whatsoever. It's terrible. No, it's that, so that feel that feels. Uh, that scene encapsulates all of the unfulfilled potential. Yeah. Like, um, and I think that that may... It was may- almost like the... And we should maybe save this for another podcast, but it was yeah. kind of like they said, let's do the ladder scene, uh, but let's do yeah. it in MGS5. And they just they play the songs when, when something is happening that you yeah. know, you're know you not really the thing involved is, in. I'd yeah. just like to elaborate on like what Liam said about like, it's encapsulating like everything that's wrong or all the unfulfilled potential about five right you've got two great character designs Skullface and venom snake both of them are fantastic characters right? and who sit there and do nothing yeah um loads of cool events happen in them like obviously you've got the the soldiers in them burning the bodies and infected by the parasites and all that thing but you see so fleetingly this great song in the back of the sins of the father which is played completely out of context and doesn't make any sense but it's used also it's used as an exposition dump it's like yeah. here's all the stuff that we haven't worked out how to tell you yeah. And we're literally just going to have the villain tell you. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's... The thing you said about the ladder scene is um, it's as if somebody tried to recreate the ladder scene but didn't really understand, yeah, understand the context yeah, yeah. that that was in is what made the ladder scene It was like so... Someone from marketing said, this has like 50 million YouTube hits. Let's yeah. just make a scene where the player doesn't have to do anything and we play the main theme in the background. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, that scene, it was just like completely... Um, it didn't reach its potential. Something that's probably like a better example of like something that's similar to the ladder scene is the microwave corridor scene in 4. That's an incredible scene. Yes. Which is great. Yeah. It's really good. The, the player, again, it's not that you lose control, but you're... You're, you're... you're controlling against all the odds that are against you. And you're, you're, you feel as if you're losing control of Snake, but he's still fighting towards the end of the corridor. There's it's also great. a so sort of... The, anyone that's not played the series, though, is going to yeah. be completely lost right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> sorry about any sort of spoilers, but um, for for which title before you spoil? Oh no, 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 no spoilers. Okay. But, um, but if if you feel as though we've revealed anything, 
we're, we haven't really, but yeah. Um, like, but like, the thing that's amazing about the microwave scene is this intense feeling of futility. Yeah. Uh, and and he, you know, because it does feel futile. You feel like you're up against this. Uh, it's something against you can't all fight. Odds. Yeah, you, yeah, he's doing it. You can't fight microwaves. Yeah, uh, but even then, he's going through this with no guarantee of succeeding. He's like torturing himself. Yeah, and it shows you all the other characters going through like their absolute lowest points. Like yeah. Mei Ling is, is it Mei Ling? Yep. Yeah, it is Mei yeah, Ling. She's, she's, trying, she's hiding under the boat. Hal's like um, t- trying desperately to like use his computer Johnny to help Mark to. The only character that's like has any kind of good thing that's happening is Sonny cooking her eggs because she's a child who doesn't know any. But that better. provides juxtaposition. Yeah, because that's so what they're fighting for. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's an incredible scene. I think okay. people are really down on Metal Gear Solid Four, but they don't see f- like because it is. It's you have it's, to appreciate it for what it is. It's the it's everything about Metal Gear Solid put up to like the nth degree. You know, it's it's a big action movie. The end yeah, so Metal, Gear, Metal Gear Solid is the dorkiest game series as well as being quite um, you know. So yeah. if you don't like certain aspects of Metal Gear Solid, those are going to be. Um, even more so in this game, so it puts people off. Yeah. But if you can look past that, also there's some amazing stuff in Metal Gear Solid Four that. Yeah. Definitely. That's why I Definitely. think it's the game like for the fans because they're the only people that will stick it out. Yeah. And and. I remember them trying to market four to like the wider audience, and they kept showing the bits that were in Afghanistan with the soldiers, and I was like, "That's not what this game's about at all." <laughs> if you hadn't played, you have to play all the other games to appreciate four. Four is not a game when you can enter the series. No, absolutely it's, not. I, I think we we should definitely talk about this further, and I don't know if like now is necessarily the time, but no. I mean, there's there's so much that can be said about the series and about yeah. five in in general, and it would be maybe nice to sit down and identify yeah. some of the things that five went wrong at some point. Um, yeah, because uh... and it, it might be interesting for our listeners as well if we split this off and well split the the discussion of it off yeah, at we'll that later it, date and we'll call it Ozaran podcast. You feel it too, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you why are we, why are feel we still it too much. <laughs> Yeah, we have a lot that could be said about. I think quite a bit. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if if we if we move on from Kojima, because uh, yep. a lot of other stuff has happened. Over yeah, the past it's been a busy days. weekend. <laughs> um, some other games were announced. I guess. Yeah, other games, updates to demos, all that kind of stuff. But we'll let Brian lead the charge. How are you doing, Tom? Yeah, good. Still hanging in there. Yeah. Great. Oh yeah. I, I feel. I feel. <laughs> though, I feel as though we didn't mention your amazing feat of. Um, game achievement last night when we were talking about our, our video gaming because we, we played the WarioWare Darts game. <laughs> right, we played WarioWare Darts. We should absolutely elaborate on this. No, but this is very important. Tom won Darts in three turns on WarioWare Darts, which is the shittiest Darts mini game because you can... There's a reticle and you point it at it and you you move the weed like you're throwing a dart, right? Yeah. The weed controller. And it throws the dart and then the game decides that it's going to go halfway around the board, <laughs> right? It's almost randomised how it will just fuck you over. And then Tom won in the first two turns, he got 140 points each. And then in the third <laughs> turn, he just wiped the floor of us. Um, yeah, and I just wanted that to be said that Tom is like a prodigy. That darts That's on great. the WarioWare game. Because generally I'm terrible at all video games, but actually... <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. You've got, is it, did you get 100, 102% in Crash Bandicoot Warped? Uh, yeah, I think I did eventually. That's really <laughs> hard. Wait, Time trials are hard in that game, man. And some of the, some of the, some of the fucking boxes as well. Yeah, really they're really hard. 102%? It's when you get all the platinum links. 
And uh, they had gems and stuff and Crash Bandicoot. Oh, no, actually, you can I get like a... I did quite get 102. I, I, I was working on it for a while. I got pretty close. That was a while ago, though. And Basically, it's, like... That's uh, another great game that is worth spending a lot of time on is Crash Bandicoot. Well, we, can, we can talk a bit about Crash Bandicoot. And pretty event, relevant, can't we? Yeah, yes. well, uh, great segue there. Uh, one of the amazing titles that has been announced over the past few days is... Uh, the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, yes, which, which is a remaster of the first three Crash Bandicoot the, games. The, the only Crash yes, Bandicoot got, games, as um, far as I'm concerned. I've got an issue with the term remaster. Yeah, it's here. not a remaster; they, it's a remake. But, no, well, what they say, what they're calling it is right. They're saying they are saying this. They're saying it's not a remaster. Yeah, it's a remaster plus. Oh yeah, right. I've heard so, that. and here's where my issue comes in. They they then went on to say that a remaster plus is a remaster. With a bit more, we're sort of going back and changing things and stuff. So what they're saying is it's not a remaster, it's a remake. But they don't want to say remake because remake, Suggested as a word, has bad connotations. Yeah, dirty. Um, but it is a remake. So just say it's a remake. You know, take back that term. I, wonder I, I think it's, it's a bit pedantic. I wonder if that's coming to feel like what Square are doing with a 7 remake. Where they're like, well, Nomura's basically coming and saying, yeah, nothing's off the table. We're going to change yeah, they, the they are, they are up front saying... This is a remake, and we are going to remake the game. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's going to be a different, different game. Yeah. And I, I like the way they're embracing that. And, saying, and I, I wonder if that's had an effect on like how the the term remake is perceived in the game industry. I mean, obviously, maybe not in the wider industry. Although, like maybe like in terms of film remakes, but then that's different. But the funny thing about it is, is it looks like a very faithful remake. Crash it's like, very close. Yeah, 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 it's central. Very it looks close. really good. It's still great. I mean, we've only seen uh, gameplay footage and the trailers from the yeah. first Crash Bandicoot game. Yeah, but yeah. The, the gameplay is doing all of them. But the really, looks great. You can. The, We'll, we'll link the gameplay trailer rather than the announced trailer. The announced trailer is not great. It because the gameplay trailer looks much more fluid, much more... Uh, like the game. Like the game. <laughs> yeah, it looks much yeah. more fun. What I would be interested to know is, will they fix the motorcycle levels oh and the, the, um, the jet ski levels? In what, were they done rubbish controls? The controls were... Yeah, it was tank controls. And, and how, how much do they have to change it before they can fix it? Yeah. Will they be the same yeah. levels? Or well, even the, you like, could argue that like the camera was broken <coughs> in a few of the, yeah. the, the bits Those as well. are I I hate those levels. They're keeping kind of stumming a lot of stuff. They're yeah. like they're all other shit is like it's all gonna have the same kind of unified menus and all that kind of thing. So like everything's gonna have the same save system, mm. same menus and that. But if they're only talking about Crash One stuff, Crash Two, nothing. Crash do you think? Do you think they might release it? Um, as patch updates almost? No, like, it's, so all, it's all coming out in one disc. Or right, game. right. It's all coming out at the same time. They've also said they're introducing new stuff as well, because they said that yeah. you, know, you can now play time trials in the first game, which was yeah. never a thing. Um, and I'm assuming there'll be other stuff. They, they, have, they did say, like, I read the blog update they did on the PlayStation website, Vicarious Visions, the developer, who used to work primarily on Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, and Nintendo DS. Hmm. And it's only been in the last couple of years that they've moved to their main consoles, like, and it was actually the Skylander series they've been working on recently. Right. Oh, yeah, uh, so they are an Activision internal developer. Um, but like, considering that, it actually looks very good. Like, mm. it's the same kind, maybe the same kind of thing as with WayForward. WayForward are like used to develop a lot for handhelds and other kind. Of, but their console games are also the Shanty. They, they make the Shanty games, yeah, uh, and um, uh, Mighty Switch Force is the other game they make. Um, but. They have said that there's going to be a couple of new things that they can't discuss yet, um, and they're going to talk about them at a later date. But they've done a bang up job. It looks really good. Yeah, it's it reminds me of the um, nice. Is it nice and tasty? New and tasty. Oh, new and yeah. tasty. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
that was a I didn't know how I feel about the nude tasty no, that was a weird one that was yeah, yeah good but also felt a bit um, underwhelming there was just some it didn't feel like it captured what was good about the old Abe's games yeah it was largely the humour wasn't it yeah and messing around with the environmental stuff which I, I think you can still do yeah but it just didn't, it didn't Rupture Farms didn't feel as dark as it should have like yeah. I felt like they had a very really sort of orange tone yeah. it did, so did feel much more slapstick but which I, is I, a shame because I think like Abe's Odyssey uh, is probably the first game I ever played where the atmosphere like the, the from the very opening the scene design, like, it's just like it's haunting like the, yeah. the yeah. scenes in the well, you never got that from New Tasty it felt it felt industrial in a different way and it didn't have the same feel it was yeah. weird it's maybe something they'll take into account with the Exodus remake that I would, it's not a remake well, Soul Storm is different yeah. Soul, so yeah something about like the, the atmosphere also gave, made me feel a wee bit ill yeah. yeah like the whole I don't know it's kind of unsettling yeah um, and quite grim scary. Yeah. it feels gri- yeah, dirty, gritty yeah. And, yeah. dirty and grim really cool Great. so it's not the only uh, remaster title inverted commas that's that's been uh, announced at PSX this weekend. Uh-huh. We've also got Parappa the Rapper, yeah. <laughs> Loco Roco, Pat Upon, Wipeout, the Omega Collection, uh, Yakuza, Kiwami. Yeah. Uh, I think that's all I've got down here. But there's, wow. there probably were others that I've, I missed. Maybe. That was you, the main ones. It's that's, That is the main titles. These are the ones that people are going to lose their shit over. Pat Upon and Loco Roco are going to look really good on the PlayStation 4. Yeah, because like, they're, they're so simple. They're just like... Yeah large shapes and and you don't really need to make. change a lot you just need to make them high res basically and I cannot wait to play Pat Upon on yeah. my TV like it's, um, like it's kind of cool all this stuff because obviously you know these are games we loved and are nostalgic no, nostalgic for and it are games that are largely a lot of them hard to play now if you because know, they're the console it's not like you can you know like you can watch a DVD of an old film yeah like you can't it's so hard to there's, get there's a lot involved have, yeah to, to be able to play it but at the same time, do you think it's something we should be worried about? Like no. In the way that the film industry now focuses almost entirely on remakes no. and reboots. Because well, I, mean, I, think I think it's more akin to like releasing like a, a HD remaster of Apocalypse Now on Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's that sort of thing. Like, mm. I mean, if you think about it, like you're saying, you can't, you can go back and just watch a DVD. You can't do that with video games. Yeah. That's not true. You can't go back and watch a VHS unless you want to keep a v- video player. Uh, you can't go back and watch true, yeah. um, that kind of thing. So. But with video games, you can't just release it on a new format. You yeah. have to port it. Yeah, and if you're yeah. going to port it, you might as well remaster it, remake it. So it is. It's exactly the same as, as I would say, uh, sort of releasing a, a new version of a film where you've gone back and cleaned it up a bit or something. That's true. One, so well, plus also, I mean, if you're editing, if you're, you are making subtle edits to a video game as well, you have all the source code. It's not yeah. like calling the actors in for like, Extra scenes or having yeah. to like it's true, yeah. fil- film yeah. additional material or anything. It's it, you've got everything there. Yeah. I think there's a big drive now. Uh, you could see it in a cynical way, and I think it felt kind of cynical on the PlayStation Three, but now it feels more like there's a big drive to preserve sort of gaming, not history, but yeah. legacy. Yeah. So you've got things like the NES Classic come out, which is you know there. Money does always enter into it, and it is always feels like a bit of a cash grab. But yeah. you know, um, a lot of people can't go back and play the old NES games without emulating them on their PC or something. So 
it's nice to know that now people can go and get like the NES Classic and have those old games. And a lot yeah. of people who don't really want to collect old games or didn't keep a hold of them, they can now go and buy a NES Classic. And I think like that's a big thing where something that games need to um, find a good way of doing is keeping these games available. And you don't want them to turn into like old DOS games that nobody can run anymore, so yeah. nobody ever talks about them or remembers them or but goes back to them. At the same time, you talk about keeping them available. So yeah. not, remasters don't always do that. So no, they, like this. That's another kind of Bandicoot, um, <coughs> remaster, like yeah, remaster plus whatever you want to call it. They are making changes. Yeah. Well, the biggest one that I would have, like, which upsets me, quite frequently. I owned Broken Sword 2 on Steam. <laughs> no, no, no. Broken Sword 2, one of my all-time favourite games. Yep. I owned it on Steam. Yep. I bought it. It was the original game. Yes. Right? It, it, not remastered or updated or anything. The original game. I paid for it. That's what I got. Then later on, they made the director's cut or whatever they called it. The, the remaster of yep. Broken Sword 2. They, um, gave, they put in new animations and, and new... Updated visuals and stuff. It all looks like shit. I'm not going to be... I'm gonna. It, it, it's not shit. It looks fine. It's good. But it, it, it loses a certain charm and aesthetic that the game had, yeah. which is what I responded to and liked. Yes. It changes the characters. And like, this, this gets into the area of uh, digital product ownership as yeah. well, and how you don't actually own the title. You yeah. own well, the a license most to most exciting thing is they took the one that I had away from me, the original Broken yep. Sword one, and they just replaced it with that. So I didn't have to buy the remaster, which is, like, I can see where they'd be like, oh, people would be happy to get the remaster. Mm-hmm. Um, but somebody who did it well is... Skyrim, you you yeah. keep your old Skyrim, but we're going to give you yeah. the new one. So it, it's so, the equivalent of the Star Wars films, yeah. In, in the sense that oh, here's the remaster, here's the updated version, or whatever. I was like, no, much, I, I want to go back and watch the original. It's yeah. like, no, no, we we don't. Uh, I'm very much that. of like once it's out there, and if, as soon as it becomes part of our shared culture, you lose ownership of it. Yeah. So George Lucas owns the rights to Star Wars. It belongs to him. Yeah. But he. he that part of our culture is everybody's. I mean, there is a really big movement in games preservation. Yeah. And uh, I'll link to the video that I posted on Twitter earlier yeah. in the week in uh, the blog because um, I, I haven't watched it myself yet, yeah. but on NHK they had a, an interesting documentary about groups of people who preserve video games as they are so that yeah. they can be played and reviewed in future. I when, think a lot of that ties into like, um, re- retro collector culture and all that kind of yeah. thing as well, doesn't it? Yeah, so, well, like you guys, I mean, like you came back from Japan with Famicoms yeah. and like you know really old hard to get your hands on titles I mean, I'm a very big game collector you are um, and part of it to me the thing is my collection I never really thought about it being like <coughs> I wanted to preserve these things but it really is that's what it is like yeah. there's games that you go back and um, the, f- the funny thing about game collecting is game value is so subjective yeah um a lot of games don't hold value, even if they're hard to find. You know, things that make games valuable, it's funny because there are really, there's no rule to like, this is valuable because it's rare, or this is valuable because it's this. It's all about what they mean to yeah. people. I only know of a couple of games that have actual proper value, and one of them is, um, I don't know if anybody's even heard of it, like, there's a game called Elemental Gearboat, mm. which is a, an old FPS, or an on-rails FPS for the PS1, and the reason it's a particular version of this game that was only given to press, which comes with a golden plated like it's obviously not real gold, yeah. but like a gold plated um, light gun, right? And a box that says Elemental Gearbolt on it, and there's like only about a hundred in the world. 
because the game's so weird and because nobody's really like, ever heard of it, like I've got a Japanese copy and it's very hard. Um, but like not a lot of people know about it, and even less people know about this specific press version. And it's I think it's worth about a grand. Right. But it's like all, one of the only games that's kept its value because it's so specifically weird and rare. Mm-hmm. Whereas the rest, like games, like more popular games, like uh, I don't know, Chrono Trigger, Secret of Mana, um, like bigger, bigger retro games. Tend to get re-released in some particular way, like there's multiple the things. Is, and stuff in yeah, it, but like, in the same, in the same way that like uh, popular books get re-released multiple yeah. times in multiple publishings but and stuff. There are Chrono Trigger. If you're going to buy the North American version, that's hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, uh, Secret of Mana. That's quite expensive if you're wanting to buy it. But if you buy it in Japan, like the Japanese version, it's like twenty dollars. The th- funny thing about game collecting is as well, a game having value doesn't also mean it's rare because yeah. you can go on eBay and mm-hmm. a game will have will sell for loads, but everybody has a copy of it. It's like, you know, you look and it's not scarce like at all. The, the value is just so weird. It's about, but it'll be because that game means a lot to everybody as a shared like culture. Yep. Uh, I don't know. But um, yeah, so the thing is, the <coughs> thing about game preservation to me and with Broken Sword particularly is I don't mind that they went and changed it when they re- remastered it. Yeah. And they're like, well, we feel like this is what we want to do with it. And I'm like, that is... It's their prerogative. Yeah, they're perfectly entitled to it. And yeah. that will sell it to new people uh, and stuff new players like as yeah. well. Um, and it's really only when they come back and say, well, we don't want you playing the old version. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. well, you can't take that away from me and what that version means. You can't retcon though the the nostalgia I feel for yeah. that and the, what it meant to me at the time and how much I enjoyed it then. That is that is absolutely not their right to say yeah. that. I think a, that's, a good example I, is um, the Silent Hill HD remaster. That that's a different thing because that wasn't. I think that they went into it wanting to preserve it as it was, and they were incompetent. That's, Broken Sword yeah. to the remaster, they they purposefully were changing things because they wanted to do something new with it and and bring it, freshen it up, and make it a bit more but, modern. Um, but Silent Hill, it was that they were incompetent. Didn't they? Um, didn't the director for like the the remake remasters say that he hated the voice acting for two and three? Yeah, so okay, he specifically, so he wanted specifically to changed it, it and, and said. But the thing is, what they also did was they in- included the old voices only after fan demand. They weren't going to do that originally. Maybe, um, but, but graphics aren't everything anyway. Yeah. As oh, uh, no, that's true. As uh, we discovered uh, through playing Shovel Knight yeah. and. Quite uh, delighted to hear that there's going to be a prequel game released as well. By although I would I would take issue with you saying graphics aren't everything, but the graphics in that are a, a big part of what makes that game good. It it's, was a poorly planned segue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> graphic fidelity, perhaps is uh, maybe yeah yeah. Uh, but yeah, cutting yes. edge graphics. <coughs> so Shovel Knight, obviously, really tight restrictions on what the developers it's wanted such an to interesting... to produce. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Got to work with the hardware. Um, just thinking, this is just a thought that's come to me there. That like all the games we've talked about have, uh, this is one of pretty much the only game we talked about today that isn't a remake or a remaster. Yeah. But in a way, it's as just as much about recapturing that sort of sort of nostalgia, an idea of old games. As I, I think what we can take away from this podcast is we're all getting old. <laughs> <laughs> and what we really want is to be eight again. Yeah. What we really want is to call the podcast "fuck video Can't games." Have we played two again? Oh my god. The um, Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight was one that I dismissed when it first came out, the first game. Yeah. Because there's a lot of games that go for that. We're going yeah. for retro game aesthetics and stuff. Um, but but it, they're not really. what they're And they're like, oh, 8 bit graphics. But it's like, but that's not 8 bit. That's just. 
pixel art. Yeah. You know, yeah. you, you, you're saying you want to make it retro, but it's actually not. You just miss, yeah. you know. But Shovel Knight largely holds but, up. Yeah, but I always sort of looked at Shovel Knight and was like, that must be one of those games. And I never really paid attention to it. And then I heard you, that. Idiot. It, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm here saying I made a mistake. And then I heard that <laughs> the actual game design was, they came out from trying to work within the restrictions of the actual NES console yep. as much as possible. And that's really <clears throat> cool, the way that yeah. they've done it. Uh, and um, then they were like, but we have broken some of those restrictions in certain certain areas where we think that by breaking them, we are enhancing that, you know, by breaking the rules to serve that purpose, which is a weird way to think about it, you know, mm. we're breaking the restrictions to further make it so that it feels like a NES game, even though that's not authentic, it feels authentic. Yeah. And when you play it, it absolutely feels authentic. Like, it feels like an authentic NES game. Absolutely. So, they're following the same format with uh, Spectre of Torment, right. which we watched the trailer for. Yeah. And it's essentially a, a story prequel. Yeah. Um, it's like Knight. a Super NES game, more than a NES game, I guess. No, no, it's, no, it's, it's very still really, really low colour palette, really blocky. Um, I think the thing that's confusing is it's the, some of the ways they break it is by they they try to stay within the color palette, but when they think it would look better by breaking it and feel more authentic, they yeah. will break the color palette and and use more <coughs> colors than the, the actual NES could hold. Or I'd imagine also, as well for accessibility in yeah. contrast, they'll they'll maybe break their rules a little yeah. so that it's available to uh-huh. to more people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it looks great and it sounds great. the The audio on it sounds fantastic. It's funny that it's a prequel. Like I know. It's, it well, makes I, sense. Think, I think it's to set up the fall of the yeah. the order of. But I never Knights really went to Soul Knight thinking it was much of a story driven game. So, um, well, the, well, it, I, again, yeah. that kind of harkens back to the days in the NES where the story would be in the manual or something. Yeah. But I mean, the, the, the plots, the, there is story there. Yeah. You're like fighting your old the, comrades. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's testament to Yacht Club, the developers. Yeah. Um, started off on Kickstarter having to raise funds for the first game and now they can just make the second one completely of their own accord mm-hmm. it, it does go to show that like with the right kind of game and as long as you're like I, I, I don't know like exceeding like, meeting expectations but like developing a game with a set purpose in mind and they're just like make yeah. this game within these restrictions and make it so that it feels authentic and that as long as you're, you're hitting the right buttons like you can do anything after that I like, think it's, so. rather than like Having to cons- consistently fall back on credit. I think the the good thing about them and Kickstarter, Kickstarter has a tendency to, um, there's an issue with scope. Yeah. People go into Kickstarter <coughs> and say, "This is what we Especially want to do." Especially with games. Yeah. This is what we want to do, but if we make more money, we'll do this. And if we make more money, we'll yeah. do this. What you need that. to do with Kickstarter is go and say, "This is what we want to do. Give us money." Yeah. And no matter how much money you get, that is what you should do. So there was a new trailer for Mass Effect Andromeda as well. Cool. Um, so it was a, a gameplay trailer and it was based on a settlement um, outside of the Milky Way. So the basic premise is that you're on a, I think you're on a seed ship, which is sending people out to repopulate the other galaxies in the universe. Um, I think after the, after the story in Mass Effect 3, concluded people kind of realized that you know all their eggs were in one basket so they were to send out mankind and um turians and diversify they did yes so you are uh you're you're a pathfinder um, so they're like a vanguard that kind of goes out and goes to the planet before sending out the ship or something 
I think so, yeah. yeah. So I, I, again, and this is like, I think these are like the from the information that I've loosely picked up. I think it's six hundred years after the effects of Mass Effect Three. Okay. Six hundred um, years. Six hundred years. It could, because there's an element of like cryo freezing, unless I've, I, I, like I say, unless I've picked that out from somewhere completely erroneously. No, no, it's it's uh, six hundred years after the events of the original Mass Effect games. That's quite a long time. Yeah, it is yeah. a long time. Is it going to be like? Because all the Fallout games are set like two hundred years apart, but I always bother. Me, like I love Fallout, but it always bothered me a little bit that they are. Everyone always acts like it's just happened, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nothing changes. They're all there working to better. Yeah. Well, they're not. But there's people who are like, we need to reestablish all these things. But nothing, and, like, nothing ever. So changes. through the very nature of it, I'd imagine not much has changed because right. if you're sent out with current technology, it's like the Nostromo uh, in Alien. It's still got CRT televisions. Because the Nostromo is also like that because it's a mining ship. With well, yeah, but ar- arguably it would have the same tech from whenever it was created or whenever it was launched. It's, so this ship that's yeah. six hundred years in the future now, <laughs> it's going to have. Uh, the same tech from the Mass Effect games because that was what went with it when it was sent out. All right, so it, like it doesn't happen. Like you're not somebody that's six hundred years in the future. You like it was from the time of the Mass Effect games, and you've been sent six hundred years into the future, effectively. Time dilation through being cryogenically frozen. Yeah, oh. yeah, right. Effectively, okay. yeah. I so I mean, it's it's probably a case of like, I know for anyone who wasn't frozen for the colonies or that that have been established or you know if you go anywhere in this this new universe they'll probably be like oh you know so much has happened in 600 years since the great shepherd saved us from so it's it's, it's not set in the same kind of system of planets or anything like that no 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 right. it's not um and although there are some familiar alien species apparently that uh leaves space for them to bring in new characters new species um, but all, all the all the characters are new all the Planets are new. Probably the best way they could have like, the same setting but completely new kind of cast. Yeah. Probably the best way they could have done it, really. Mm. I think so. And I think as well, I th- they're, they're, they're potentially going for a new trilogy. So I don't know if this is setting up for the next few games they'll create or if they'll, you know, for the next game they'll maybe follow a different ship um, that went somewhere else. Or, But I suppose it's, it's fairly open. Cool. I really enjoyed the first Mass Effect game. Yeah, it's a good game. When it came out, but... That's like, really strange because out of the three of them, that's but not, the thing is not very strong. I think the the reason why my enjoyment of the series didn't carry me through all of them is I enjoyed what it. I enjoyed it as an homage <coughs> to sort of that kind of genre, but I didn't really enjoy it for its own stuff. Its own merit. Yeah. So you just liked it as a result of it being a sci-fi game. Yeah, I, or not just that it was a sci-fi game. It was a sci-fi game, like specifically. It was a homage to certain sci-fi, like Star Trek, and not st- Star Trek, but that kind of that sort of space opera, like okay. or um, yeah, that kind of thing, like certain series. It's a homage like, to a specific type of sci-fi, like yeah. Buck Rogers in the twenty-first century and stuff, like that. or just um, not Buck Rogers. But yeah, it was a. It, I enjoyed it for sort of for what it wasn't, not for what it wasn't. <laughs> I enjoyed it for things that... Why did you enjoy it, Liam? <laughs> I said, because it was... I enjoyed it for being a homage, but okay. I didn't really enjoy it on its own merit, like you said. I didn't really find the, the story that original or interesting. Uh, the gameplay was good, um, but then when it came to the second one, they started to really find itself. So that's like the difference between Kingdom Hearts and Kingdom Hearts 2. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts is a very superficial game. Kingdom Hearts 2 then goes into like its own lore and all that and yeah. I didn't really get into the lore of Kingdom Hearts 2 
Same way, Mass Effect. So the Mass Effect. Mass Effect's quite a superficial game. The first one, I would say. Yeah, it's, it's a superficial. There's not a lot of depth. Yeah. To it. So I enjoyed it for its superficiality. Mass Effect too. I mean, there's, there's a well, lot. Well, it in starts the to establish its own well. lore, and, and yeah, yeah, there's a very deep lore in it. Um, and the lore didn't pull me in. What? Just didn't interest me. So um, I enjoyed the first one for for, for the superficial reasons. For the superficial reasons, and then that's not really enough to get me to play three games. That's fair. Uh, that's... So the first one I enjoyed quite a bit, and then after that, I was like. I've had my fill. That's yeah. I mean, I got what I got out of it, and I enjoyed what I got out of it. At the end of the day, if you don't enjoy the story, then that's. But I, I I personally loved it. So I I am looking forward to Android. I mean, that's not a criticism of the game. That's entirely. I believe subjective. Yeah, it's entirely. That's just what I wanted from it, and I got what I wanted from it, and then I was kind of done with it. So talking about other games that you hate, The Last of Us is getting a part two as well. Don't don't hate The Last of Us. (laughs) I'm I'm only playing. Uh, don't like The Last of Us. I've never played it. The, 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 the concept doesn't appeal to me that much. No, it never really grabbed me. I kind of felt like, I mean, I don't want to... I mean, probably... I'm not saying it's a bad game. It is a good game. Maybe. But for me, that setting, there's not Post-apocalyptic. Lot, not just post-apocalyptic, because uh, post-apocalyptic can be done so many different ways. I mean, if you go by Adventure Time being post-apocalyptic... That's great. There's so much scope in post-apocalyptic stuff that... Um, okay. So it's, it's like post-apocalyptic, urban decay... With zombies. zombies. With zombies. Like, I mean, they're not you know zombies, but it's basically... It's like a I Am Legend. That's exactly what I was going to say. It felt a little bit the film of I Am Legend. They're, they're, they're cordyceps. They are uh, it's zombies in the sense that they're humans whose motor functions have been taken over by a fungus. Yeah, so, I mean, that setting, it never really felt like it explored anything. That it felt quite derivative. Right, uh, yeah. and it didn't really. There was nothing there that I hadn't come across before, and it just felt like I enjoyed the gameplay for the most part. And it's a beautiful game; like, it, it looks amazing. amazing, very beautiful game. Uh, and I mean, it's Naughty Dog, so the quality of the game is mm. quite high. Like they're they don't make bad games. Like they they tend to have a good bar for quality, you know. Yeah. Um, and it just was one of those games that never really, like I said, it never drew me, like pulled me in. Like um, I never felt invested. I didn't really that like the characters that much. Joel and Ellie. Yep. Joel and Ellie. They're not bad characters. I just never felt invested in. I mean, you got quite far. You got up oh, to yeah, the snow, I, snowscape area. From what I kind of picked up on, I think something big happens a wee bit later. Does it? Well, I mean, at the point that you're at just now. Yeah. I think enough would have happened to give you a good judgment of whether you like the characters or not. Right, yeah. I mean, by that point, I was heavily invested. See, I just, I didn't, I, I don't know, I never felt like their little chit-chat banter stuff. It, it all felt a bit forced. It never felt that natural or organic. And the, I never felt like their relationship never felt that organic or natural. And okay. I never really got the stakes. I never felt like... I never felt invested in this. Like there was stuff on the line. None Which of it really was supposed to be the the last chance of a cure. For... Yeah, I mean, but that's that's. I mean, why do it's you? It's a bit of a MacGuffin, isn't it? Yeah. She, like she is the MacGuffin. I mean, it was never. There was, <laughs> there was the thing is, I would say is like, there was never any one bit where I was like, this is bad. It was always just sort of this is something I never, it never hooked me. Yeah. Um. So personally, it's not a game that I care about it's not a game that I dislike though yeah. I don't dislike that game and I think maybe I'm, like I'm I should probably be a bit more open about The Last of Us 2 and I will be if we see more we didn't really see that much in the trailer It's. I think it's purely a teaser yeah. I mean d- yeah. down to the 
to the point where, you know, there was a very ambiguous threat. Yeah. You know, Ellie was going to make think, them pay. Yeah. She was going to kill them. Well, who, who are they? Yeah, you know and I, mean? I think it banks a lot on you being invested in the first game already. <coughs> yeah. So if, like, I'm not going to... Which, which I am. Yeah, like, so... It's, so it appeals it, to, to me, certainly. Yeah, but it wouldn't appeal to somebody who maybe doesn't know or yeah. doesn't care about the first one. But yeah. I am open to seeing what it's about. And it could be quite a good game, I think, yeah. Uh, like, I... Uh, Basically, just gonna agree with you. As someone who hasn't really played the first game, it did definitely felt like a trailer. It wasn't looking for new people. It was looking. It was to appeal specifically to the fans of the first game. It felt like to me, anyway, having not played the first game. Yeah, I, I, think, I, the tra- I was like, sorry, it's not really for me. It's for yeah. yeah. There were there were nods there, like uh, the graffiti of the Firefly symbol. It's it definitely to to try and drag yeah. people back to it that had already been fans. I think um, this is not to do with the trailer in particular like I will say one thing about the trailer if that's running on an actual PS4 then that's incredibly impressive um, right, I mean, if, it's, if it's real time <clears throat> if it's real time running on a PS4 and it was a very high frame rate like it looked like it was that could have just been your television though. it's hard to tell um, that's extremely impressive and Naughty Dog know what they're doing with the PS like PlayStation systems and all that kind of thing that's very great my only issue is and this is not to do with the trailer like I say that's more to do with Naughty Dog in general I don't want them to get pigeonholed into doing serious third-person shooters, and that's kind of what they've been doing for a while now. Um, no, because Uncharted Four is not that serious. Um, well, like it kind of, but I, I get where he's coming from. Uh, it's yeah. like based serious in is the not real maybe world. the right word, but Com- like compared to things like Ratchet and Clank, <coughs> you mean, or like yeah. Crash Bandicoot? Which... Uh, uh, yeah, I think like they, they've they have range that they can go with that. They don't have to do that all the time, but like I kind of think they're now becoming stories, things like, now you do a big kind of Hollywood thing. Mm. Um, Hollywood's maybe not the right word, but a big budget, like, blockbuster AAA title. You do this, yeah. and you need to do... You worry well, maybe not need to, but, like, you're expected to hit ABC with the type of gameplay and type of game that it is. And <coughs> I think I there's something to be said for, like, that's they obviously do that very well. Oh, no, I'm not saying so, that they don't do it well, very well. Given that's that there it. was also a, an announcement of a new Uncharted title, yeah. Uh, yeah. The Lost Legacy. I feel that it might be getting... They're either being... I don't want them to get stretched too thin or to be overkill or keep them going yeah. back to the well. I don't want them to, that to happen to them. I'd be interested... Because they're very, very talented. I'd be so. interested to know how their divisions work. Like, who's working on what? How many people do they have working on anything at any given time? It feels like... Because um, the Uncharted game had a lot of... Question, like The fourth one? Or the... The, the, the new Uncharted the trailer, game, the trailer for... looked... It was presented as if it was gameplay. I don't believe it was. Like... Or it, I think it is. The, I think, I think the, it's the trailer mix. for the new one. The, yeah. I don't think that's gameplay. No, I, 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 don't, no, no. I'm not. To elaborate, I do think that the bits where she's walking is gameplay, but it's extremely heavily scripted. Like all the stuff that happened, like we were discussing this earlier, but like. But the, the Uncharted games are scripted. <clears throat> like, no, 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 no. I know, even, I know, even I understand. The Uncharted thing, there was <clears throat> certain. Like even the combat, that doesn't look like Uncharted combat. That's that's your. I think that's your quick time stuff. I'm not so even, sure because the quick time stuff in Uncharted. It's not presented like a combat sequence. If no. they're going to have a combat sequence, they'll put you but, in control. So in the combat sequence they showed, there yeah. were like the camera was really well choreographed, and I yeah, think yeah, that's, that's, that's those kind of sequences where things are happening during a cutscene and you're supposed to react. But it wasn't presented like a cutscene. It was presented. Oh, it, no, like... no, none of it was presented as gameplay or no, as a cutscene. No, that's scene, not. So. That's not correct. Um, that's not correct. <laughs> I'll tell you why. No, no, okay. no. I'm okay. not just bullshit. Okay. You know when she picks a lock. 
Yeah. There's the be there is, yeah, yeah, there is yeah. UI. Why didn't yeah. they have the quick time button prompts? That's, that's they could have had it's, that. It, it, could, have. It, was pre- it was presented as if it was the Uncharted Combat. Because yeah. that is Uncharted Combat. Yeah. But it looked like a it looked faked. It didn't look like yeah. genuine Uncharted Combat. And if no. it, I mean, I, it's hard because I can't give you like specific examples, but like um, they don't tend to do cutscenes in like quick time events in Uncharted where it's a combat sequence where it's just cuts uh, quick time events. They would do something like um, you're running from something or you're struggling. You're trying to get free of something. Or um, you know they wouldn't have like when, if it's I get your if argument. it's fist fighting they would put you in control of that and make it combat yeah, yeah. and then if if it was the, what you're saying where it's uh, quick time events then why is it quick time events that's another criticism then mm-hmm. where it's just like why aren't we in control there I guess we will have to wait and see because they do also because um, they do do a lot of contextual stuff in their fights which make them really cinematic where. Um, if you're near something, they will use that environment. Like um, like Chloe used the air vent to yeah. drop that guy's head into it. Yeah, which is all really impressive. But So again, we'll post the trailers in the in the post. Um, uh, was there anything else you guys want to go over? Um, can I speak From... a bit about the Resident Evil 7 demo update that came out? Did you guys what? know there was an update to the demo? I completely no. missed it. <clears throat> so they showed the final trailer, which is tape 3 Resident Evil, which discusses a bit more about the plot of Resident Evil 7, which is... You might notice a bit of a, a familiarity with another horror franchise in this. So the main character's called Ethan. The main character's wife, Ethan, died several years ago. <laughs> but he got a message from her recently that indicates she's still alive and in a place called the Baker Mansion. Not Silent Hill. <laughs> Not Silent Hill 2 at all. Called no. Byland <coughs> Bill. <laughs> wait, so, wait. Is Ethan one of the people who are show up with the camera? Uh, no, that what the the people that are in the demo are called Clancy, yeah. Pete, and the other guys who name I can't remember. None of them are Ethan. Oh, okay. they're all like the demo happens separately. Okay, so you, one of those guys is not the playable character. No, so the playable character is Ethan. The playable character is Ethan for the main game. The right. demo playable character is something else. Okay. Um, the the demo takes place before the actual game. Um, so Ethan goes to the Baker Mansion to save his wife, who he thinks is dead. But according to this recording or letter, I don't know exactly what it is, she sensed him is still alive and has been alive all this time. Um, <clears throat> so the trailer indicates a couple of things that are a bit weird. Like there's an insinuation that she is a member of the Baker family. And the Baker family are, like we've discussed this before, they're, they're effectively the family of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, like, they don't really give too much away in the, the trailer. It's a very good trailer, and I suggest watching it. I'm sure that Brian will put it in the, the links for this podcast. I will honour that. Request. Resident Evil Tape 3. Uh, I've uh, got it. Tape 3 Biohazard Resident Evil. Um, so, the, but the main thing is they updated the demo for the last time. This is the last update to the demo, 1.02. That's the version number. I, I did see Johnny playing it again over the weekend, so I was um, wondering. I played it um, and completed it with the almost true ending. Uh, there are two endings um, that have been added for this update. Um, you get to unlock the final selection of rooms in the house, uh, which does involve collecting a gun that you can fire in real time, that's not like a cutscene, um, and an enemy that's not Jack Baker. Um, the enemy is... You know what we were talking about, the cordyceps from The Last of Us? Yeah. The enemy's called the Moldied. Okay. Uh, so it is a fungus that affects them this time. That's interesting. Not a virus. Um, you might have noticed in the demo if you played it, 
there's like one of the back doors is covered in a black kind of mold. Oh, right, okay. And that's apparently what the virus is. It's hmm. not an actual contractable virus. It's something that grows in the house. And there's no indication about whether this is related to umbrella or not. It might be, it might not be. <clears throat> but you have to get the final key in this house and escape through the the roof. Um, because that's the only door that you can get through where Jack Baker's not going to welcome to the family son and punch you in the face. Um I'm not going to give away the endings because they're quite interesting. Um, and there is also a hidden puzzle in the demo oh. that involves finding five murder sites. And it may or may not involve the dummy finger, which has been... Ah, oh, fuck this finger. <laughs> like, like, it's infuriating. They just need to... Uh, Sorry. Do you, do you want me to tell you? No. No. I, I'm just annoyed that they've latched onto it, like... Just forget the finger. I don't know. I mean, the 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 puzzle does have a use. It will. It gives you at the end of this puzzle, which takes a while to solve. Actually, it will give you an item that you can transfer to the final game. Oh, so well, like a carbuncle and like carbuncle, but it's not just like a name. It's like an actual physical thing because you've got carbuncle regardless. Oh, um, right. But it's just the name that transferred over. Um, but this, it's an actual thing in the game that you get. So it's worth completing. It does take a bit. There are also there are already walkthroughs describing exactly how to get it. So if you're not bothered about like sitting for hours figuring out yourself, people have already done it. I'll, I'll put Ashley to work on that. Yeah, it's um, it is a really good update. They've made some tweaks to the audio. Uh, I believe now it does have PS4 Pro support, so it runs at full 1080 and 60 frames per second. Looks fantastic. The game is looking really good. Um, the final game, I'm pretty confident it could be a game to your contender. It's looking fantastic. So. I'd suggest if you have the demo and you have a PS4, update it. If you've not got the demo and you have a PS4, download it. Um, well worth looking at it. It's Sweet. Good game. Well, look, I mean, there's there's so much that's come out this weekend. <coughs> I'm sure we've missed things. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot more we could have gone into as well. But mm-hmm. I'm gonna round up the show there because it's we've spoken for quite a while. Okay. Um, so before I finish up, uh, Liam, I believe you have a poorly remembered game quote for us this weekend. I do. Okay. So here's the quote. I realised the moment I fell into the fissure that the book would not be destroyed as I had planned. That's my poorly remembered game quote. Um, one of my favourite games. I probably won't tip it off. Broken Sword. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, if you uh, if you think you know it, um, shoot us a message, I guess. Let us know. You can uh, you can tweet us at Azarin Tweets. Yeah. You can mail us from the site. Uh, just get in touch any way, any way that you want. I'll just repeat that once more. Go for it. I realised the moment I fell into the fissure that the book would not be destroyed as I had planned. There we go. Well, yeah. I'd be interested to see if anyone can get that one. It's quite vague. It's quite quite a tough one. I think if if, if you have played it, you will know it. Yeah, it seems if like that you, kind if of you, thing. You know, it's that kind of thing. Like, it would stick um, with you. Yeah. Um, so that's one for people who are maybe fans of that particular game. Uh, it's it's a, it's a It was a very popular game at the time, I would say that. Um Definitely, uh, yeah. Without giving it away, I guess. Uh, but it was like, um, I think, the best-selling game of all time when it was released. Oh wow! Yeah. Was it? Is it from the Bible? <laughs> uh, that was a game, nah. right? <laughs> no. But, uh, so yeah. we'll finish up here. Uh, thanks to Dave and Liam for joining us, and to our special guest Tom. Darts champion. Guys. Had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> good. I think you're obliged to say that. <laughs> uh, we'll pay you when you're the the mic's off. But yeah, we'll catch you soon for another podcast. All right, thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
Yeah, so Mass Effect Andromeda uh, had a new gameplay trailer as well. Really? It did. Such a fucking Thanks for trying to help Tom. <laughs> really? <laughs> 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 